Now, you think of the Old Testament. You get a lot of names of Jesus in there. It's before He's born. Uh, there's one book that you find more names than anywhere else of the second person of the Trinity, the promised Son coming to save His lost creatures, us, than in the book of Isaiah. That's where you'll find the most about the Messiah. All throughout Isaiah. Uh, let's take a look. In Isaiah 9.6, and we're going to see the name of the Savior who will come. And as you're turning, I'll set that up a little bit. Isaiah wrote this something like 730 years before the Messiah was here. He gives us a lot of detail about this Jesus who hadn't been born in the flesh yet. The northern half of Israel was about to vanish in the Assyrian conquest. And a lot of them would be deported out of that country. This is northern Israel, the ten tribes. The countdown for Jerusalem and Judah and that area in southern Israel had started with that. And we know that within a few generations there would be judgment upon Israel. It's the PA. <laughs> anyway, what it is is that it's a dark, it's a perilous time. Do you get the idea? That is what the time... Oh, that sounds good. Turn the light. There are four pairs of names in this Isaiah 9-6 where you see two words. Two words, two words, two words. Names, they're paired together. It's about the coming person that's going to be revealed. It's the one we all know. This is Jesus our Savior. This is the Messiah. And you get the detail of who He is and what He means to you. And you really start thinking and meditating on these names. What joy it gives you and what comfort it is. We need this this morning. This is all good news. We're not in our regular study of Luke this morning. But the good news is here in the person of Christ. So let's stand. We're going to read this glorious announcement of God become man out of Isaiah 9.6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace.
there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Let's pray. Father, what a precious truth You have given us here. Long before the Messiah came to earth as a man, God. We see details here about what He's going to do, what He's going to be, who He is, and what that meant to the people who knew judgment was coming to them immediately. But God said, there will be a king. You said it, Lord, that his kingdom would last forever, never to be conquered. We give you all praise and glory this morning as we think about the thoughts of what truly Christmas is. In Jesus' name, Amen. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He's a child, he's a son. The government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a lot. This is our Savior, folks. This is how it would have been If you were living at that time and somebody gives you a promise, and you know that he's a man of God, he's Isaiah, he speaks for God and he says, one day there will be one who will be this man, and look what he does. He will bring on the true righteous government. In the days that we live, we see all the scoundrels in the government doing all the nasty things that they're doing try to be removing a president or whether it be trying to bring in evil things that evil people want to bring for this nation and the world. But you know what? Overall, here's the answer to it all. We truly have a God and the Son, the second person, will rule over that world and His people in the ultimate way. So, let's start off with that word wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor, let's start with wonderful. The two kind of go together. Sometimes people break them up and it doesn't matter because we're going to tear these words apart and we're going to try to bring them to our hearts, folks. What all does that mean? You've heard this all your life, right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is Jesus. It's nobody else. Matter of fact, do you know of anybody who has as many names as we just said this morning and say? Have you ever heard of anybody having those kind of names? No, there's only one. He is absolutely unique. Now, the word wonderful actually is uh, it's a Hebrew word, pala. And it means something out of the ordinary. It means something that is very uncommon. Very unique. It reflects a phenomenon lying outside the realm of 
natural explanation. It's beyond something we can even explain. Wonderful. Uh, when you were a kid, you might remember you were in awe of the wonders about Christmas time. Most of that was because of all the different decorations and the Christmas trees and the lights, and most of all the presents under the tree. <laughs> it was quite a wonder. You might have heard something about Jesus. Of course, that's what it's all about. But we are in awe of this person, Christ. The more we learn about him, he's a wonder. He's not just something that hey, that's good to do. You know, it's good to go to church and hear about Jesus. But it's wonderful. Jesus' birth was full of wonder. Mary considered and was amazed and was in awe of what the angel told her. Wouldn't you be? If you found out you are the one that's going to carry God, the second person of the Trinity, in your womb. How? Can you explain that? One of the biggest mysteries in all the Bible is the Incarnation. What a wonder it was. The people wondered at what the angels had said to the shepherds. The shepherds brought it into town and told people the good news. Go tell it on the mountain, right? The people had to be wondering, what, what is this? You know, they couldn't be just making this up, could they? They saw these angels in the bright brightness that was in the skies. And the king, the evil king that was there at the time, as time went on, they wondered at what the wise men had told him and his counselors around him started looking up scripture hey can this be God was made manifest in the flesh so he was wonderful at his birth he was wonderful in his life as he did many 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 multitudes and multitudes of people were healed his miracles were amazing and the words that he spoke were amazing People were in awe or wonder of this man that we study so much that they actually saw him and heard him with their very own ears. His death was a marvelous thing. It was a thing of wonder because you'll remember at his death at the crucifixion, there was darkness all over the land. Real dark. In the midday, so dark, it was darker than night. There was an earthquake <clears throat> that happened. The people are in wonder of that. That really hits the news. The magnitude of an earthquake. How much destruction was there of that? People came out of the graves to show the wonders of God. Walked around Jerusalem. That's something to wonder about, isn't it? His death was a marvelous thing. Also, as we continue on with that, was the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom and no human could have done. 
witnessed the Lamb of God on the cross taking on the sin of who He died for. His death was wonderful because, see, He brought us life. Do we wonder at Christ? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were enemies. And now, we are people of the King, the risen King. He is Lord. So His resurrection is something to wonder about as it gives us life. He is wonderful, isn't He? He's full of wonder. Never lose that awe. Remember whenever I said, as a kid, you remember all the wonders of things? You're, you're just amazed by anything. And these days, with all the technology, it's hard to get amazed about anything anymore. Oh, you, you see the things on the... on whether it be the phones or what have you, and it just keeps getting more and more, and you go, wow, wow. But really, you go, oh, okay. And we don't even wonder how it does it. You know, we, we just That's part of life now. That's okay. But He <laughs> amplifies it so much more. It says in Exodus 15, verse 11, this is really the song of Moses after the deliverance of the people across the Red Sea. And it's written like this. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods, the rulers of the world? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, now get this, doing wonders. Wonderful. Doing wonders. Isaiah 25, verse 1. O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee. I will praise Thy name. For Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. So there you get wonderful things Thy counsel. Remember, he's called Wonderful Counselor. Folks, this is for us. He died for you. His blood is for you. He is your counselor. Isn't this good to hear? We need to hear such words and names of grace. The Hebrew word for counselor in this text is yats, and it has several meanings, mainly to advise well, to give counsel, to devise, to determine, to guide. You have a wonderful counselor. Wonderful? We already covered that, didn't we? He's counselor. He gives us words that we need to hear. Counsels us. When we need wisdom, He guides us, doesn't He? Every step of the way. Isaiah 28, 29. This comes from the Lord of hosts. 
who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. That's Isaiah 28, 29. He's excellent in that. He's wonderful in counsel. That's why he's called the wonderful counselor. Isn't that great? Amen. You ultimately need to go to him. We can get wise counsel from God's people in fellowship. And he means it to be that way. But the only way that we can counsel anybody is through God's Word. And it's going to be the Spirit of God that comes in and comforts them. Colossians 2.3 says, In Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything is hidden in Christ. That's where everything is at, folks. So you need go to Him. He has it all. Wisdom, knowledge. So, you like that wonderful counselor? That's for you. We need that, don't we? Where do you go to? The Word of God. And in prayer. We need this counselor. Mighty God is the next one. Name Mighty God is quite an Old Testament title. It's really applied to the coming Messiah when you see that. It's a compound Hebrew word, El Gibor. El is pretty well easy to figure out, isn't it? El means God. El, God. It means the one true God. It's the singular form of Elohim, which is the plural. God is called Elohim because He's a triune God. Elohim. El Gabor is Almighty God. Mighty is Gabor. It means strength. It means power. And I like this word, hero. Because you see, we naturally always have a desire to have some hero. Somebody does something really wonderful, right? Really great. And we have entertainers that can be... Oh, he's my hero. We can have sports figures. This is my hero. As a kid, Mickey Mantle was my hero. Paul Horning of the Green Bay Packers was my hero. Bart Starr of the Green Bay Packers was my hero. God, I mean, uh, you know, when, when you think about this, you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, how can I have a hero? Well, it, there are figures in life that we have that we, you know, we look up to. But ultimately, oh, we have to mention superheroes too. We have fun with them. We love the movies, you know, and the kids love them, you know, and they're really great and everything is really entertaining and fun, and, and they're called superheroes. Why are they called super? Because those heroes do things that nobody can do. They might have one particular thing they do that makes them super. We know they're just made up. I think ultimately, I think sometimes it's like somebody probably was a believer trying to give maybe a picture of what God is like showing all the power. Now, 
See, Jesus is all the superheroes wrapped into one and even more that we can even imagine and think of. You see, He is the superhero or El Gabor. That's the idea. It is having some kind of might and power that no one has. Mighty God. El Gabor. He's a mighty hero. You know, God's saying, I'm sending my son to be your mighty hero. Because ultimately, people are people, and no matter what they do, which is amazing things, they always fall short, don't they? Don't you want the one that is the best, and really the only, El Gibor? El Gibor. Deuteronomy 10.17 says this, For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Mighty. Awesome. He's really only the awesome. Sometimes we just float that word around and and I'm not saying it's evil to say something. Oh, that's so awesome, you know. But sometimes it becomes so lightly and loosely. It's really meant for God because we are truly in awe of Him. But you see the great grandeur of a the Grand Canyon or some majestic place, Niagara Falls. And we say, that is awesome. And it is, you know, in, in our vernacular. But expand it much further. God is ultimately the one that we are in awe of. So awesome. He's filled with this power. He spoke to the dead. They rose to life. He spoke to the raging waves. And they still, like that. He speaks to those who are in the grave spiritually. And they arise. If you believe in Christ, you came out of that grave according to Romans 6. You died with Christ, buried with Him, and you rose again. Christ is the one who does that. He did it. Now, we go to the next one. What have we seen so far? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Does that help you? Does it help you to think of this great one that we have? Everything else, everybody else will fail you. But He always comes through. And that's where always comes here. He's eternal Father. So it's not just He'll do it for a while and then let it go. He's saying 700 years before Christ, the prophet is, going on into eternity. All of these things He will continue to uphold for you and never drop the ball. Regardless of our performance here on earth. Everlasting Father. And you go, what? Are you puzzled by that? I am. Puzzled by it by a lot. Always say, what does that mean? Because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And He's distinguished from the first person of the Trinity. And the third person of the Trinity. Because there are three persons and one God. That still puzzles me. 
And here, Jesus is called the Father. Now, is Jesus the way that we look at it? Is Jesus the same as the Father? Well, the people who don't believe in the Trinity, that call themselves Christians, you know what they say? See, that verse is showing that there's really only one God and there's only one person. Oh, we've got all sorts of trouble now if we deal with that. But that's what they say. They'll use that. See, he is Jesus is the Son and He's also the Father. No. And that is not what the text is saying. Here it is used in a Hebrewism. Uh, Jesus, in His essence, is what? He is God. This means that Jesus Christ has all the attributes of God. He is existing as the second person of the Trinity. He has a title of everlasting Father, it says here. And he's describing his relationship to time. Eternal Father. Father. Eternity. That's one way to look at it too because it's, that's really what his relationship His relationship here is not in the Trinity. But he's saying each member of the Trinity is everlasting. Obviously, right? So this word Father was an ancient Hebrewism. Sometimes when you read in the Old Testament you have to get further than what the word in the English is saying and see what is being said here by the writer Isaiah as the Holy Spirit is inspiring him. And an ancient Hebrewism was this, the possessor of. He's the possessor of eternity. He has always been here. He possesses it. He is the Son. He's everlasting. The Father, in the sense that He has always been here. He became a child in time as He became man. But He's always been here before. He will never leave. For the mountains brought forth, says Psalms 90.21, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. See, in ancient times, rulers were called fathers of their country. Here in the United States, you had George Washington. What is he known as? The father of this nation. He's the first president. He was a leader. He was victorious because of his leadership and his victory and all because of the attributes that he had. Of course, we know he was a believer. He's, you know, we had the forefathers, right? And you think of this nation. So, it's, it's speaking like a father of a country, a father of a family. A father of a family protects and provides for his family. And so in this sense, that's the idea of the Hebrew word. Jesus protects, He provides for His family. His brothers, His children. Jesus will do this forever. He uh, is one who has always been here, always will be. That's called perpetual. And that's the idea 
perpetually He will be taking care of you, providing. He's doing it now, and it won't stop. Don't you guys like that? So these names are what? They're promises. They're meant for us. That's why every name, as you look at it in Scripture, dwell on it for a moment. You say, oh my. Look where this was placed. You will start reading the Bible in a different way than you ever had before because you're going to see names of Jesus everywhere that you open up in the text. Something's going to pop up. It's not always just Jesus. Lord. Savior. On and on. All those. It's about Him. What He means to us. What's the next one? Prince of Peace. Do you like that? He's the Prince of Peace. Now, Prince is another one I kind of wonder about. He's Prince. Wait a minute. He's called the King of Kings. What's a prince? Well, in our thinking, what do we think of as prince? One who is going to be the king. So in one sense, that is true because this is written 700 years before Christ is even here and he takes over the kingship officially when he dies, he rises again and ascends to heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's given kingship and someday the king then will come back. The first time he came here as a slave, as a servant. The second time he comes back as a what? A king. So in that sense, he's called prince. But also in Hebrew, it means this. And our English word comes out of something like principle. What do you think of? Somebody who is like first. The principal point of this the prince, the principal, he is one who is the ruler. He's the one who is head. He could be called the prince of kings in that sense. That's the idea. One of the highest ranks that a Hebrew person could be would be a ruler. Remember the ruler in the synagogue? He could have been called in Hebrew prince. Ruler. Why not king of peace? Well, prince really is powerful, just as powerful as king here in this sense here. Prince of peace. Shar Shalom means the ones who remove all peace-disturbing factors and secure peace. And we know that we love to have peace in this world today. It's just crazy, isn't it? You know what? Got good news for you. It will happen someday, but not the way that we see it. So that's what the Jewish people were expecting. The peace would start as soon as the Messiah came. It's still crazy out there, isn't it? It's getting worse, it seems like. Sin abounds. But still yet, the peace that we're talking about is the peace that Christ brings to our hearts. You are no longer at war with God. By the way, what were you before? You were enemies. 
And now He's given us peace. Do you have that peace in your heart? Saving peace. There's also this inner peace that Christians have that surpasses what? All understanding. Are you in awe of that? You say, all the things are going around me. It's going crazy and such. I've got to find my inner self. No, don't find your inner self. You won't like it. It never works. It never has worked. Don't go there. Go to the One who is peace. He is Prince of Peace. He is peace. See, the disciples in the nation of Israel were disappointed at Christ's first coming because He didn't bring the peace that they wanted. Oh, He brought peace all right. Peace and salvation. He wasn't going to overthrow Rome. He came to bring peace between God and man. Born from above, His peace takes root in our lives. Jesus begins to transform our lives and we become peacemakers by taking the Gospel to people who are enemies of God. So we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. We have good news. The deepest trials of life. The peace that the Prince brings into our lives. You ever had uh, some turmoil in your lives as a Christian? Obviously. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14:27. As he was getting ready to leave this world and be crucified, he said, I'm leaving you peace. The Prince of Peace. Okay, we've gone through that name. We could stop there. But I have another name we want to share because when you think of Christmas time, there is a word that is used so often too, and we have a tons of them, and I'm going to go through those very quickly or pretty shortly. And even this one, but Emmanuel. L is means God. Emmanuel really is with us. God with us. How can you go through Christmas without singing songs about Emmanuel? Did we do it this morning? How many songs were written about Emmanuel? And this line, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Those are in so many different songs. God with us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, this is out of the Old Testament. The virgin shall be with child. Huh? Did you just, you know, we glaze over that. Did you hear that? Did you know what that means? The virgin will be with child. Are you talking science fiction? The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means... God with us. The eternal, all-powerful, creator God coming to dwell with us. The prophet Isaiah had already said this. We were in Isaiah 9 earlier. Look what Isaiah 
gave to us. He gave us something here that is really hard for people to chew on. And a lot of liberal, well, all liberal Christians believe that the virgin was really not a real, true uh, uh, virgin. Because they can't believe in the wonders of God. They can't believe in the miracles. So they'll say this virgin is one who really is, uh, she's a, a young woman, is how they translate it. If God wanted to say that, He would have said young woman. But He used the precise word virgin. Isaiah 7.14 says, by the way, there is a very liberal translation called the Revised Standard Version. Not the English Standard Version, but the Revised Standard Version that became very popular in the 50s and the 60s. 1950s and 60s. they They had this translation and they translated it instead of virgin. You guys know about it, right? Young woman. And that is a liberal Bible, as it was used by translators and so. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. And I know there are other verses after that. I have no time to go into that. You just have to take my word for it. You can study it and say, well, look at this. He eats curds and honey. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, some of it goes back to the very meaning of Isaiah and his son. Uh, and that virgin, you know, that presents all sorts of difficulties. I, I could spend a whole message on it and I have to move on. We're at the end already. And the best is yet to come here. So Isaiah 7.14 says the word here is uh, this, uh, this virgin. And we know in John 1.14, John 1, beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. John 1.14, the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. And then we know about the verses that deal with the virgin. And of course, one of them was Matthew 1.23, which uh, came true of Isaiah 7.14. Now, there's a popular song called, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Folks, I want to tell you, that theologically is incredible. It is mind-blowing because you look at each phrase in there and you cannot help but say, wow, this is scriptural truth with high doctrine. So, in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, who was written by Charles uh, Wesley, 1739, he proclaims an incredible truth that God became man and was born of a virgin and lived among us. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. God put a baby into her womb. That's never happened before, never happened since. I'm in awe and in wonder of that. Only comes from God. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Veiled in flesh. He came in the flesh. This is the incarnation. This is deep theology. 
Hail the incarnate deity. What's incarnate? What's carne? Flesh. Carnivorous flesh. People are in the flesh. What is deity? God. You know what the writer of this song is saying? He's man. He's God. We sing that. This song is amazingly beautiful. Pleased as man with men to dwell. He dwells with mankind. He literally did it. Jesus, Savior, our Emmanuel, our God, with us. God condescended to come to us in the midst of our dark, sinful world to conquer sin, to have victory over death, over hell, Hades, over the devil. Because God is with us, we can endure difficult circumstances. God with us. He has written this to encourage us. To give you comfort. To give you joy. Jesus Christ, when He came here, experienced everything we experience. He felt the full impact of sin's temptation. And He never succumbed to it. He couldn't, but He felt it all. And so when we go through something, it's not something that Jesus doesn't know about. This great high priest knows exactly what it's about. He's with you. Sometimes you say, I don't think He's with me sometimes. God is with you. You believe or He's with you? He was made like us to be treated like us. He's the one I want to go to. What do you guys think? Emmanuel. That's who I want to go to. He's a winner. He's a victor every time. He's about encouragement. He is about grace. He is about mercy. He is about love. And it's always, all of those attributes, they are Him. It is Him. He's with us because of Christ. He is our help in time of need. Okay, I've got some Christmas songs. We're going to go through these very rapidly. Very rapidly. You ready? Oh, come, all ye faithful. We started off our singing this morning. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Now, with all that we've said about, does your worship go up a little bit now? Have you put a little more air into this? Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the King, the Master, a Savior, Christ the Lord, as it's said in there. In Luke 2, 10 and 11, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day into the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God has revealed Himself to us. Christ the Lord. Come and behold Him. Born the King of angels. Yes, He's over them. 
He's over us. He's King over all. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. He's the very Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's from the Father and He did what the Father told Him to do. He's in flesh appearing. Silent night. Holy infant. So tender and mild. Holy infant. Oh, they're so beautiful. They're, you know, and everybody wants to hold the baby, but nobody ever calls a baby holy. And if they did, give them about a, a, a few nights. <laughs> so tender and mild. Christ the Savior is born. Messiah. Jesus, Savior, He's born. This is all about this virgin birth. This is all about the birth of Christ. Liberals don't believe in that. The world does not believe in this. Christ being born into this world. It's hard to accept for an atheist. (laughs) Son of God loves pure light. Jesus Lord at thy birth. Christ the Savior is born. O little town of Bethlehem, the everlasting light. I am the light of the world. God, the King. In this little bitty kid song as it's known, O little town of Bethlehem, look at the theology. God, the King, rules. The wondrous gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 talks about the gift. We think of Christmas and gifts. The gift is found in Christ. Desire of nations. He puts that desire in them to have Him. Ultimately, the nations long for Him. To be instructed by Him. Angels from the realms of glory. I love that one. Christ the newborn King. These are all names, folks. Come and worship. Come and worship. Jesus Christ the newborn King. Right? God with man. What is that? God with us. God with man. The infant light. Emmanuel. God rest ye merry gentlemen. You'll get Emmanuel. There's a song called Emmanuel and many songs called Emmanuel. The Son of God by name is found in that song. The key of David. Thou Lord of might. Many of these words we've already checked out, haven't we? Here's Hark the Herald Angels Sing as I was just mentioning. We finish with this. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's become one of my favorite. And I know there's a family here that always love that song. And it's because it has their name in it. But you could also put your name in there. It may not be angels. You are believers. You're saints. Put your name in it too. Because He is the newborn King. Also in that song is the word Christ, which is Messiah. Also in that song is everlasting Lord. Everlasting, He's eternal. Incarnate deity. We've talked about that. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus is our God with us. The Prince of Peace. You like this one? The Son of Righteousness. It's found in Malachi. Chapter 4, verse 2. And right after that, you get darkness for 400 years. There's a promise there. The Son of Righteousness is going to show up. Offspring of a virgin's womb. We did that one. And veiled in flesh. These Christmas songs, folks, 
The doctrine is so incredible. That's why I love to sing these. Sing them all year round because that's what the theology is about. It definitely focuses on His birth. How else can He come here? It has to be through the way He did it. All these names that we've looked at this morning adds up to decades and decades of study and through the years and, and all of a sudden those names start popping out. But it's about the excellencies and the glory of God. Each one of those names. This is the God who came to earth to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to take communion. Um, this communion says we're amazed by this Christ who comes to us with all these names. Many more that we did not cover this morning. Go on and on. So when you read, when you study, think of that and thinking that you are lining up and you are agreeing that He is those names to you. They're all good names, aren't they? Great names. Holy, awesome names. So that's how we think as we take communion with each other, knowing that we are in the family of God and we are kin to each other because of the name that we take under the person of Christ. Let's start with this side.